Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, December 26th. This is episode 157. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. Happy Christmas, Tony. Happy Boxing Day, Dennis. That's right. It is Boxing Day. Pow! Pow! Right in the kisser. Pow! Right in the kisser. Yeah. I peeked out a little bit. Oh, peeked out. Push my mic away. That sounds a little different. I did get a new mic for Christmas, so hopefully I sound better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I can really sound any better. No. How does one no. sound better than I, I already sound? I don't know. But So what's been going on? Um, obviously, Christmas, family time, um, that type of thing. The winter sale started on Steam, and I've been very good so far. I purchased one thing, mm. which was uh, uh, MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries. Uh, from uh, with all the DLC, I picked it up because I'm a BattleTech geek. Um, also, in addition to that, for Christmas, I received three of the Battle Lance boxes from Catalyst Game Labs, full of BattleTech minis. That includes uh, that's a there's four mechs per lance, obviously. So since there's twelve, uh, I have all of my favorite mechs plus a few extras now. Uh, I picked the boxes I wanted specifically because they have, like, my favorite mechs in them. Okay. So now I need to get my whole kit together and start painting. I was going to say, now these these are things that need to be painted, right? They need to be painted. They don't need to be assembled, but they do need to be painted. So I can get my whole kit together and start painting them up uh, in the style of my Battletech mercenary company. Yes. So that will make me happy. Glorious. Glory. Glory to Steiner. Okay. Well, I um I got a I did get a new video game, or Resident Evil Village. With the with the famous takes, vampire lady. It takes a village. I finally met her in a cutscene. Uh so uh yeah, I started that yesterday and was working on it a little bit this morning before you got here to do the research. So that's why you were kneeling on the ground going, Mama, Mama when I, when, I, when I got here. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, that was, that was why. Because <laughs> it was a little awkward. Mm. <laughs> awkward's what I do. So, anyway, this is our this is our 2021 year-end review episode, like, yes. like normal. So, let's go ahead and, and just get right into that. Oh, and thanks for those that emailed us saying happy holidays and all of that. Yep. I'm not going to read those out or anything because I will be merciful, but... <laughs> But it will not be merciful in terms of covering the pinball. We got a lot to do because of the year and stuff. A uh, couple of awards things to announce, though. So first, I want to talk about the the Dijanis. The Dijanese. I think I'm saying it right. So uh, uh, Joe Cervino. I, hopefully, I, I think that's how I say his last name. Joe, if I'm wrong, correct me. But I, and I apologize preemptively if I'm wrong. But I'm going to call you Joe C. So Joe C. reached out to me about this. So in celebration of reaching the 1,000 uh, group member mark, the High Council of the Pinball Degenerates Facebook group, and FYI, I do have a link in the show notes to that Facebook group if anyone wants to go and follow it. Uh, they are proud to announce the first annual and very likely last Pinball Degenerate Awards, aka the Degenese. All are free to nominate others to uh, or to self-nominate for an award category, regardless if they are P- Pinball gen- Degenerate group members or not. To be eligible, please post your nominee's full name with any written explanations, pleas, begging, bribery, and visual accompaniment on the Pinball Degenerates Facebook group page. Winners will be selected entirely by the members of the High Council of the Degenerates. The award winners will be announced on the Pinball Degenerates Facebook page via Facebook Live on Sunday, February 13th, 2022 at 4 p.m. Eastern. 
And they have the following award categories. Most Degenerate Pinball Tattoo, Most Degenerate Pinball Collection, Most Degenerate Pinball Hall, Most Degenerate Pinball Score, Most Degenerate Pinball Retheme, Most Degenerate Pinball Restoration, Most Degenerate Pinball Mod, Most Degenerate Pinball Stance, Most Degenerate Competition Pinball Player, Most Degenerate Pinball Operator, Most Degenerate Pinball Event, Most Degenerate, oh my God, I'm tongue-tying myself, Degenerate Homebrew Pinball, most degenerate pinball location, uh, washrooms. Oh, pinball location washrooms. Oh, I like a, that one. Oh, it's cut, we're cutting we're cutting to the quick there. Most degenerate pinball streamer. Most degenerate pinball commentator. Most degenerate pinball artist, and most degenerate of the year. So, and uh, he notes, thank you so much to the incredible people who made the pinball community so welcoming and fun, and good luck. And the nominations they need to be made by Monday, January twenty or thirty first, last day of January. 11.59 p.m. Eastern for consideration. I mean, I know one that would have been a really good chance for a, a location washrooms before they put the door on the stalls. Mm. They decided to put doors on the stalls. So it wasn't uh, awkward where you could see yeah. into the stall when you walked in the door while I was sitting there uh, uh, with the number Boop. two. <laughs> little, also known little, as Tony's preferred recording. Little, 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 episode three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little turtle head poking out. And anybody can walk in and see it. <laughs> oh, terrible. Oh, hi. Turtle. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had curry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so yes, an, an, another award thing in February too, which normally I don't think we see awards given out in February. So this would be a nice wedge because the Twippies will be happening in March at... Texas Pinball Festival. And the second thing I was going to note is Pinball Industry Awards, which will be happening at the end of January, are back for 2021. So let me go ahead and run that. I won't read out all the nominations on this one, but just so FYI for people that are curious. So the Pinball Industry Awards, uh, the judge ballot applications are open until December 29th. I do have a link in the show notes so people that want to look at all the criteria can go and look. The criteria are the same as 2020, except we did expand... Uh, this is not just media anymore. We're now going with sort of a personality, I think is how we're describing it, because we brought, yeah, yeah personality. So the main thing is because we added uh, some things on the on the social media side. So now, sort of like the Nap Arcade style, mm-hmm. if you, across multiple platforms, meet a certain threshold of followers and you do a certain number of pinball posts, you're... We figure you've got enough knowledge of current games that you would be a good judge. And then on competitive pinball side, we have two there. We have one for people who organize tournaments, um, like six IFPA tournaments a year, one of which has to be sizable, like 40-plus attendees. Right. And then the top 50 overall IFPA or women's tournament ranked. And that can be either women's overall in tournaments or women's tournament specific. We'll do both. So, So we had a question about that, so we clarified. Uh, because they break them down that way. And again, we're we're kind of, I'm on the committee planning planning this. And the idea was let's not, the concern is the committee overwhelming itself vetting judges because we do try and confirm all right. these people meeting criteria. So yeah, we might broaden it up more if we're not overwhelmed with judges this year. I know we've already got more judge applications in than we had judges last year. I've turned mine in already. Yes. Thank you very much, Tony. You do continue to qualify from your hard work in the hobby. I do what I can. So anyway, uh, so that December 29th is the deadline for the judge applications. Uh, voting will happen in early January, and the awards will be rolled out at some point before February. So that's that. And so now let's go ahead and go into the year-end review. The year. 
in review. So the way we normally do this in pinball is we typically break it down by manufacturer because that's generally how I think people. I think that's kind a good of, way to do it. Well, it's how a lot of people kind of consider you know new stuff in the hobby is generally driven by new games. So yeah, I think it's easier to do that because the other option I would think would be to break it down by like month. Yeah, and then you kind of get timelining, and you're jumping back and forth. And I, I think I prefer breaking it down by manufacturer mm-hmm. or like item. Yeah, yeah. I think it's easier to research by manufacturer too. So, so that's part of it. So, let's go ahead and start with the main manufacturer, Stern Pinball. Uh, so there were technically three games that came out this year, but we're going to cover four because Led Zeppelin actually dropped in late December, but. Like, I don't think it made our year-end re- It might have. It was known when we did our year-end right. review last year, but I don't know if anyone had received it yet. Right. Um, technically, a few did go out as of December. But So Led Zeppelin was a late December release of theirs. Um, then then we had The Mandalorian. Then there was Godzilla. Then Jurassic Park, the pin edition. So in terms of that, I mean, it's been, other than the inability to produce enough games to meet all the demand, it's been, I would argue it, a great year for Stern. Of all of these games, I would say Led Zeppelin easily was the least well received. Oh, easily. Um, Pretty well respected from what I've seen from high-level competitive players on its rule set. But its layout, especially the pro model, was felt to be exceedingly lacking. Yeah. You you seem to concur. I do. Okay. Uh, Mandalorian was met with great fanfare. It is... For a lot of people, the best theme that came out this year. Um, for most people, I would say I think this is true. People are allowed to have whatever opinion they like. It's a great theme. Like. It's a great. The theme, theme is it, very this is good. The way. I think uh, it felt much more feature rich than Led Zeppelin did. Yeah. And uh, you know, they got Carl Weathers to do the call out, so that was that was popular. The art was popular. Led Zeppelin's art was not popular, so you know it basically beat. Led Zeppelin in pretty much every category except probably rules. I can uh, see that. And, that. and that, again, depends on your perspective. High-level players, I know, have been very frustrated with uh, Mandalorian, which for a lot of 2021 has consisted of, let's keep shooting the center ramp, and that's how you win this game sort yeah. of strategy. Uh, but for people that are into moments, because Dwight Sullivan coding on this, often you know, integrating... The, the spirit of the show into the game, that's been seen pretty positively from what I've seen. I personally have enjoyed Mandalorian quite a bit when I've played it. Yeah, I've got no problems with it. It's been enjoyable. Then uh, the last of the cornerstones for this year was Godzilla. What's my Godzilla roar? Um, arguably by a minority of people, the best theme of the year. I mean, that's where I stand, but I understand <laughs> I, where I, that I am a special case. It's, I mean, it's a very recognizable theme. We knew they had the Godzilla theme from years right. ago, but I think what just shocked people is just how it ended up being so good, especially when Mandalorian was already seen as such a good game. And then here comes Godzilla, which for a lot of people has both a better, more interesting layout and better rules. Yes. And it's just kind of like, and then nuclear breath, everyone. Yeah. And melted them. Godzilla dropped the Screonk and then win. Yes. And I mean, it's, um, I mean, I'll, I'll fly. Godzilla's hands down my best game of the year. It. Oh yeah, no. It's in fact uh, when we're talking, be it. Uh, well, I, well, other than the, the generous awards don't seem as game focused, but pinball industry awards wise and Twippy wise, I fully expect. I don't expect it to sweep every award. It will walk away with most of them, though. I think so. 
and I'll be 100% honest, I don't think there's anything from this year that could possibly rob it of game of the year. I mean, what's its what's its weakest area? The art? The amazing Ar- arguably, art? Arguably the art, the Marvel method art style that was approached rather than the gritty art style that some other more seasoned Godzilla artists have run with. True. But it's still well-executed art. It's extremely well-executed so, art. So it's not a bad art pack. And I know people who love the art package on it. So, but other than that, I mean, you have... Okay, maybe the maybe I won't win callouts too. I get you know that would be one where I could say yeah, I could see it losing callouts, but I think it's got the best music. I mean, maybe Led Zeppelin wins music, but layout it's it's got to win layout. It's gonna win win rules. It's gonna win game of the year. These are these are givens. These are laws. These are like Newtonian laws of physics. It will just be as I have said it will be. Right. Do you, you, I mean you? you no, agree, I'm not going right? to disagree. I I think you're absolutely right. That's it's going to pull the vast majority of the wins it just ha- it has to it's science in the words of uh ron from anchorman no wait what was this character what is this character i was gonna say ron perlman and i realized no that's a real actor and he didn't play <laughs> and he didn't play the anchorman what was what was will's character's name in ron burgundy ron burgundy oh, okay i was okay saying ron but now i've laid in a while i'm leaving it in Be like dennis ron perlman was hellboy what is wrong with you I'm like don't judge me it's it's year in review it's year in review things are going crazy Um, Jurassic Park the pen I haven't had a chance to play it I haven't played it either however initial reaction very positive sort of from a lot of people seen as better than uh, Star Wars the pen which was seen as pretty good for the pen it's uh, the pen game yeah Um, I think some people perhaps have turned to this to buy because they can't get anything else though rather than really wanting it because I mean ultimately everyone really wants Godzilla how bad is your need that you're going to buy something that you don't really want just because it's, I just want to, oh, I haven't Well, had, they can always sell it when I haven't done had with that it. new pinball machine fix. Oh, there are I need people, that truck in front. Oh, there, God. There, I, I got my pallet jack ready. <laughs> got to roll it in the garage. Oh, baby, where's my where's my fix? Where's my, you, where's my you new inbox machine? You may not want to believe it, but from my, my now couple of years of doing the the pinball show, those people exist. The, oh, dif- I'm, I'm the sure. difference is, is they are not the majority of the hobby, unlike how my other co-hosts might think they're actually yeah. a very small minority. They're just vocal and they're rich. So yes. They tend to get Which, more deference than the us plebes, but yeah, but it is what it is. So, uh, Oh, I got you know, the other, other game thing was that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and almost say ridiculous Elvira 40th anniversary. Oh yeah. That's that cool. did happen. It's yeah, that, ridiculously that's, priced. That's, that's I mean, great. It's, it's, it's for those people we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And fine. But uh, you can still find these readily available because people are asking for thirty thousand plus dollars in some instances, and it's like your special number isn't going to command that. <laughs> maybe number one, maybe number one, but that's about it. Yeah. So, anyway, um, other other big uh, stern news. I'd say the the two big two big shakeups. One is so Jack Danger designed Jurassic Park the pin. Correct. And they just this is the newest of the news. They just recently confirmed he's now like a permanent designer with them. I don't think that's surprising, but my understanding is he will be in cornerstone rotation now. Interesting. We'll see how that works out for them. Yeah. I, again, with one game, uh, which I haven't played and it being a pin model, it's hard for me to get a feel for like, I don't know his design philosophy. The only thing I've seen Jack say online is that he wants to make pinball weird again. 
that could either be good or terrible. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm all for weird. But but if weird means like clunky bad shots, then obviously yeah, people I'd are going to have a problem. I didn't say, until we get a full size real pan, nobody's really going to know. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I just I don't. Maybe that means he's going to work on some weird themes. That could be interesting. Yeah, I think Stern will only go so far in deviation from. I mean, that's part of the shock of Godzilla is it feels like such a different layout. Stern usually leans into the right. fan layouts and stuff, right? So and and Jurassic Park didn't feel all that different from that. So right in its in its overview. You know, again, I haven't played it, but I can judge a lot from photos. Yeah, no, Fan, we'll see fans how it are goes. safe. People like fans, so I don't right. want to be. Well, I'm not anti-fan. It's just I, you know, we like to see a little variety. So it'll be interesting to see what variety Jack gets to bring to the table. Yeah, I'm also kind of interested to see what kind of licenses he gets thrown on because I just I don't see them throwing him at a non-licensed title. Oh no 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 no! Yeah, they. I mean, what was the last non-licensed title they did? Sharky Shootout. Yeah. I mean, the closest they came was that it's not a quasi license; it's still a full license. Was Black Knight, right? Which is just oh, okay. It's a license only known by pinball people, and I still feel it was a desperate attempt to keep Steve Ritchie happy, which obviously didn't work. Obviously, that's the other big piece of of news was the shakeup of Steve Ritchie leaving and going to JJP. Do you think that was a big loss for Stern? I mean, he's honestly, a le- he's a legend. He's he is a legend, but honestly, I don't think so. I mean, at this point, with the uh, stable of designers at Stern, I think they can weather a loss like that. Where, say, six seven years ago, it would have hurt him a lot worse. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's a lot. It's a loss. It's more of a loss. Uh, it's just, but his games aren't selling anymore. Is what I think. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't know the numbers, right? But based off of the feedback on Led Zeppelin, which was his last design, we know. I I have heard. So maybe I shouldn't say we know, but we know. Allegedly, we know. Um, allegedly, Black Knight did not sell great. I've heard that. Allegedly, and, and it's been his games that generally have had the most pinhead negative feedback lately. Now, a lot of that's not all his fault necessarily. We, right. we suspect a lot of uh, studio Disney interference on Star Wars, for example. Yeah, which got a lot more respect once the comic art edition came out. And it's not his fault that the art was what it was. But Steve has been running with a for quite a while now with the oh yeah, I'm the king of flow. And then you look at his games as like where are the mechs? And I am a more flow person than a mech person, but but we've seen good use of flow in games like Godzilla that don't feel like they're skimping on the mechs. Right, very true. And Led Zeppelin Premium LE felt okay from my perspective on looking at it from a mech thing, but you know, turning that third ramp shot into a non-ramp and not having this uplifting. I mean, it was just like, what the heck is that? I'm still, <laughs> I'm still flabbergasted. They sold it. I still can't believe we have it at 403. I'm, honestly it's I just there like, I just, it's because we get all the sterns there but, right but i'm just i look at it and i'm like what were you guys thinking holy cow i mean we'll get on that a little bit because lately it seems like oh yeah even if even a miss can't really miss in pinball lately and it'll be interesting to know if that ends up biting some companies in the butt i think it could so speaking of of companies let's move on to what i think a lot of people think of as the number two in production manufacturer which is jersey jack pinball which Claim of fame in 2021, Tony, is they didn't put out any new games. 
Jersey Jack Pinball didn't put out a game? I know they've been Oh, talking, wow. I know they've been saying like two to three games a year, <clears throat> two to three games a year. Well, you can say lots of things and it doesn't make it true. So, given that, the news of Jersey Jack in 2021 seems to primarily be continuing to push out uh, quantities of Guns N' Roses, their hit game from last year, and ignoring pinside feedback about all the chipping on the playfields. That's that, like that's all I could think of with Jersey Jack. Like, if you were to ask me, Dennis, what was Jersey Jack in 2021? I'd say trying to catch up on GNR backlog and and uh, not answering questions about chipped blankets. Well, see, and that's the thing is, if you'd asked me the same question, I would have gone, oh, yeah, Jersey Jack, they still exist, don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they, they moved to uh, Chicagoland and... Okay, I mean, I it is it is what it is. I I, uh, I mean, they have had some other moves lately. I I guess their biggest positive thing would be because they're they're partnered up with Scorbit. Like they have Scorbit integrated freely into their into their system. Right. So they actually rolled out achievements, I believe, for all the games now. Last I heard, Pirates was the only one that was still remaining. I think they got that out in December. So, in fact, they actually in people's homes got the achievements active before people had him active with Stern. Right. So so that was seen as pretty positive. A lot of people like... I mean, the biggest critique right. I've heard from Scorbit has been the cost, but you don't face that one, the JJP side. Like the month, like there's a month right. cost. So, so, but with the JJP games, it's just integrated. And I've heard really positive things about the achievements and stuff with Scorbit. So that was a positive. See, I just... I, I'm not an achievement hunter. So I don't really care about that. It's the well, same way with the Stern Insider thing. I don't care. I mean, I I probably be, I like the idea behind the Stern one. I I but I'm not used to it yet. Like I need to get used to setting my cell phone on the little thing. I haven't even set up an account yet. So I mean, I, I do have mine set up. Uh, I've only ever signed in though. Like at Expo, like I haven't done it on the location Godzilla's here in in town or anything. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I like the idea behind it as long as it's free for the user. If people want right. to do it, that I think that's well, yeah, great. sure. If it's free for the user, that's what's important. It's a new way I to just... approach the game, and I could see. I think it's probably more. I mean, Stern's really angling to give it a location value. For me, in my view, with Scorbit, it seems more homeowner oriented. Like, let's give you more ways to approach the game, and that, Which and that was see. the purpose of achievements. You know, I think, you know, with Steam and, and, and trophies on PlayStation and Xbox achievement, I think that's like, here's just a new way to think about playing a game that maybe you'll have fun with. That's how, if you do them right. Yeah. Some places are like, here, we'll just give you achievements for playing the game sort of thing. You know, it just depends. Um, other than that, I'd say the big Jersey Jack news is uh, pick obviously uh, picking up Steve Ritchie. Yeah. They also picked up a, a, a new designer from the homebrew side. I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name, so I'll apologize. Mark uh, Seiden? Seiden? I'm not quite sure how to say it. I should, but I don't because I, I, I stink. But anyway, Mark. So Steve and Mark. Uh, I think picking up Mark was a good move. Because yeah. they need to prepare for moving ahead. Like the rumors are swirling that Pat Lawler, after Toy Story is out, that he's retiring. And the thing that I thought was so weird about them picking up Steve Ritchie is I get Steve was unhappy with Stern, but I... I'm really like, how many years does Steve have left doing this? He, yeah. he's, I get it. He doesn't want to retire. And if he wants to keep doing games and they sell, I think he should keep doing right. games. But, you have to say- but this is Jersey Jack where I still think that we ain't seeing a Steve game until 2025. We'll be lucky if it's 2024. Right. I just don't. 
Because they talk a big game about putting out more than one game a year, and they just can't do it. They can't do it. See, here's the interesting thing is I think Jersey Jack put out too few. They put out too few games, mm. period. I think with the current uh, uh, issue with the supply chain problems, I think Stern's still going too heavy. I think they'd be in a lot better shape overall if they cut back to mo- no more than two or three games a year. Maybe two cornerstones and something and a special like project. Like the pen or a vault or yeah, something? something. Yeah, I yeah. think, I think, I think, think that would right. be in a better position with supply and demand if they did that. I, I agree. But Jersey Jack has got to put out a pen in 22, period. Yes, and the, the rumors are yes. Toy Story is coming okay. out. Toy Story was supposed to come in 20. Toy <laughs> well, Story was supposed to well, come in 21. But now, when the iron's now we're coming hot. to 22. When the iron is the hot. The iron's hot. The iron hasn't been hot on Toy Story in a decade. Toy Story 4. Nobody cared. Toy, you, mean, <laughs> you mean Toy Story 4. The Toy Story that took everything you learned about Toy Stories and threw it all out in the garbage and completely changed everything. I don't know because I didn't see it. I haven't seen it either. Because I've only seen the first one. Every, every complaint I've heard about it, though, is, is it just like threw away like almost everything that was built up in the previous And now they're going to have a Buzz Lightyear movie. Oh, good whippity and they tried dude. And they tried to get me to want to go see it because they played Starman. Oh. From David Bowie. They're trying they're trying to do the they're, member berries. They're trying to member berry and pull you no in. No member berry me. They're trying to grab your member berry. I already have the MP three. I already have the MP three. I don't need to go see your movie. <laughs> so yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. It would be I think Jersey Jack will never make it to the next level until they actually can put out a game a year. I mean I'm, oh, I'm I, tired of hearing them talk about two to three. I, I want to see a game a year. I don't think you needed to put anything else in there i i think jersey jack will never make it to the next level is all you needed <gasps> that's harsh but we're just a simple podcast telling them like it is i mean they we're just at, what, at what point in time in i their heard all their employees thing, got bonuses so they must have had a good year well hey i mean that's good I'm, I'm glad they're taking care of their employees maybe they're just a little bit bigger spooky see i kind of that's how i feel they feel like a boutique to me they put out games like they're a boutique, a high-quality boutique, but they still put out games like they're a boutique. Mm-hmm. And I think if they can't put out more than a... If they cannot put out a game every single year, if they cannot, with the stable of designers they have, if they cannot put out one game every 12 months, they're a high-end boutique. Hmm. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. There is a place in pinball for a high-end, high-quality, super fancy boutique. And JJP falls into that perfectly. Everybody talks about how good their games look, all the mechs in their games, how deep their rule sets are. It's just half of them aren't that fun to play, but they're beautiful. They are works of art. So... Maybe that's the niche they the the niche they need to lean into. Maybe they need to just cement their place as the high end boutique in pinball. And I, you know what? Maybe they're trying again. I behind the based off of what's happening now and what happened early in the company. To me, it seems like the controlling, you know, newer ownership stake doesn't have the same vision that Jack Guineri had. Right. And my guess is there's probably behind the scenes some conflict between those two positions, but it looks like the new ownership's winning out. Because a lot of these, just like, Jack Wizzle promises, like, 
there would be no play field differences between models. They dropped that. Right. And then they, there was the, the move to Chicago, away from New Jersey, which Jackson, New Jersey, seemed a little odd. Also seemed odd that they didn't start in Chicago from the get-go. So, you know, there was a, there was a shift there. And I just... All that sort of stuff, I wonder. It's always been Jack that's been talking up like the two to three games a year. And I don't know if the new owners have that philosophy or not. I don't think they need that new philosophy. I think, especially the fact of talking it up and never succeeding, just hurts the company more. Right, right. that's the thing. It's the it's when you miss your own self-imposed deadlines, rules, whatever, right. that the embarrassment comes. And I get it. There have been incredible confounding factors since 2020 that easily impact pinball and have thrown off all sorts of projections. I mean, Stern was supposed to have Rush announced by now. Right. And it's not. Rumor mill is it's going to announce a couple days after this podcast comes out, but like Tuesday. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. That they're still trying to announce in December. Right. But I mean, the thing is, is Jersey Jack has had issues since its inception. Yes. Not since 2020. Right. No. Making deadlines has been been a massive struggle from how long their very first game was was to the huge amount of delays and redesign almost by committee because of a blowback on the art of Hobbit to let's not forget the I mean, dialed in, which in a way seemed like one of the cleanest executions, but then because it was an original theme, didn't move units very well. And it's still their best game. And then... And then, and I agree. And then, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which you know they they blew over half a year failing to engineer their triple spinning disc to work after they went out there and and said this is what you're going to have, and they took it away, took away the opening and closing chest. People backed out, and then it became a popular game after they only made a thousand units and dropped the run. The to Wonka, which again. Just didn't live up to hype, though a lot of people like it as a shooter. I think it's a decently a, playing game. It's a, it's a fine it's shooter. It's my second favorite. I, it, it's my it, second I'm favorite. in the exact same boat with you. It's my second favorite JGP but, game. But, you know, there was at that point, it got, again, there were, you know, while I didn't feel it was super delayed, you had all this. Do you remember the rumor? Listen, we're going way back prior to year in 2021. Do you remember the, right, right before they dropped it, there was, a, it just, like, Ouroboros, people were eating their own tail style of stuff on feeding <laughs> what this game was going to be. Do you remember like the the rumors like every ball was going to be a different color and like using different materials or something? The game was going to know like if the pink ball was in play or the yellow ball was in play and it was going to oh, do like, was... like how the ceramic ball behaves differently in Twilight Zone, but they're going to do it with like four balls. And I was yeah. like, no, you got. What are you, they're not going to put in tungsten balls and stuff. How are they? You guys are. These guys are taking crazy pills. This stuff is nonsense. And like the big innovative feature was a subway gobble with a rotate. And I'm like, how is this? It's basically the trunk from Theater of yeah. Magic. It's it, not. It, was, it didn't feel. I'm sure, but it wasn't spin- as fancy as the Theater's Magic trunk because I, it didn't have you know the magnet like, catch and right. everything. It's else. like instead of the trunk spinning a portion under the playfield spun, but to me like that wasn't innovation. No, it was the same thing. It, yeah, well, a less visually impressive same thing. So anyway, yes. we're we're going on. So yes, we'll have to see with with Jersey. Jack. I think they've got all the stuff to be. Like a contender, they could be a contender. They just they got to be able to execute on a reasonable timeline, and that's actually defined by them. They need to set yes. timelines that they can meet. I and I and the thing is, is I think what they need to do is, like I said, 
They need to aim themselves as a high-end boutique, and they need to get a game a year. Yeah, I do think they need to get a game a year, because right now it's kind of feeling like American Pinball is doing better than them. Uh, you know, honestly, yeah. Honestly, yeah, I will go with that. Okay. I, I, I think so. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that then. Let's go into American Pinball. So American Pinball was kind of looking like maybe they weren't going to have a game out this year. Uh, you know, about a year and a half later than when Hot Wheels was announced. Now, Hot Wheels, of course, for those that don't remember, 2020 game, very uh, unfortunate in its timing. Very unfortunate. They got it out to a show, but the show was a small, non-major pinball show, and then boom, pandemic. Right. So people didn't really get to play it. However, I have heard rumor-wise, it is of the three games I had, you know, Houdini, Oktoberfest, and then Hot Wheels, it sold the best. And that makes sense. And it does. It does. It was their first time to do a, a license. Not They've always used non-original themes. You know, Oktoberfest right. is an existing thing. But nothing thing. that required licensing. Right, right, right. And, but this, this did require a license. Plus, pretty fun game, I thought. I, yeah, I like it, the layout and everything. Yeah, it's simple, it's but but the thing is, is with the with the actual license theme and everything else, it has a lot of draw, mm-hmm. especially to kids. Yeah. Now, and it was it was seemed very much geared to hey, let's have a game that operators might actually want to have, and we have one at four or three still. Yeah. So, I mean, it's working in our area. Um, so, Legends of Valhalla was the big thing. They they announced uh, essentially just before Expo, and Okay, so this was designed by Riot Games. They basically changed nothing except like it had to be updated to work on their their P3 Rock systems. Right. But but they got a game out. Um, it sold out. The LE sold out so quickly. They upped the LE run, which was controversial. Uh, very much. And so. I don't know if they've sold out of that new LE run. They've talked about having the standard edition as well. I don't know if they're actually going to need to or will build that. Haven't really heard anything since. Uh, we tried it. I didn't love it, but... Yeah, it, it, here's the thing. But they got a game. They got a game. It's still better than anything Jersey Jack mm-hmm. put out. Um, their other big news, I'd say, this year was their announcement of their homebrew contest for next year. Uh, met with mixed reaction. Some people seem excited about it, and some people seem to feel this is like farming out your design. I'm falling into the latter camp, but... It does feel that way. They're, hey, homebrewers, come up with a game and show it off at Expo, and if you're worthy, we'll build it. The question is, is so many homebrews are off of themes that they're never going to get licensing to, so that instantly will take them out mm-hmm. of contention. Yes. I mean, if I was going to homebrew a game right now, I would homebrew a game based off something I know will never get the license, but I love. And, and I mean, that's the truth. I've talked about it in the past. Multiple ideas. But that's where they're going to run into the problem. The only ones you're going to see that are realistically able to win it are either ones that they will take it, they will dump whatever theme, which probably has is will hurt whatever cool rules were put into it, and they'll retheme it to something else. Or they'll pick something that was an original theme, and then it'll have the same problem of every original theme in pinball in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are those are fair concerns. Uh, I'd say the only real other noteworthy news I've seen out of them was uh, Steve Bowden. They picked yes. up from from Deep Root, and we'll That's be covering them. we'll be covering Deep Root in in a little bit. But yes, very good for him, and you know, pretty exciting because he's he's so likable. Yeah. It makes it makes American pinball likable. By yeah, virtue of it. It does. It's that simple. It, he is I mean, the nicest I mean, person in pinball. I'm second only to him. And me. No. 
No. I'm the nicest person in the podcast. No. Well, well, some some episodes maybe. (laughs) No, I'm I'm not. We know I'm not. Uh. (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead and move to our next company, which is Spooky Pinball. Spooky. Okay. They're something. Well, yeah. So, obviously, their big thing was that they put out Halloween and Ultraman. Those games have been shipping. They've been getting them built and shipped. And so I'd say the the big thing about it, besides the new game, there was a bunch of initial huge excitement. As there um, always is with Spooky. Within the first day, uh, both Ultraman and Halloween were all pre-order committed. People As it had, does, always does yep, with Spooky. Yep. Uh, and this was easily their largest run ever. Uh, even just the Halloween games alone, I, I think, were... Uh, Almost more than anything. Uh, yeah, actually, they were more than the Rick and Mortys. I don't remember the exact Rick and Morty count, but that was more. And then you had like the 500 Ultramans on top of it. Same layout, but different art, all of that stuff. However, and we haven't played either of these, but the feedback has, other than some sort of fan support, and you know, different people have different. You know, different people like different things. That's so, true. And we are not here to tell to change your mind on what you like or don't like. So let me go ahead and clarify that. But that being said, feedback has been fairly brutal about the quality of the build still. Something that Somehow. has suffered with from America's Most Haunted to the layout choices and the design by committee look of that game to the rule set itself. Which I've heard has been getting better kind of with the updates most of the betterness i've been hearing is just like better integration of clips from the movie and stuff not like oh this game is fun now <laughs> they're, they're getting rid of those really dumb static image moving oh things. so i mean that was of anything i'd say that was easily the biggest blowback was right the the filler animation assets yes. that they ran with and the kind of oh yeah this was powerpoint look that it had yeah which i and I think a lot of people just coming off of Rick and Morty were just so disappointed with that. But again, I have not, I don't know anyone. I'm sure there's people, but I have not seen anyone argue like this layout is better than Rick and Morty's layout. I haven't seen anybody argue for this game other than a few people who really love the theme and a few people who are amongst the group of of people who believe that Spooky can do no wrong. There and there are a few of those, though really ever since the chipping play fields of TN that to me is always the turning point for them. When they had the about one hundred units, I think, that were chipping on total nuclear annihilations and they acted like every other manufacturer and weren't willing to fess up to which numbers right. were affected and stuff, they lost a lot of luster with the public. Plus I think, especially once Rick and Morty came out well, they still advertise themselves as a boutique manufacturer, and I think that's a fair label, relatively speaking. They, at this point, should be professional enough that they shouldn't be having these build... Like, their build quality, a playfield chipping solution aside, which they seem to have mastered. Right. It's like, they seem like they are a, a couple of miles behind everyone else oh, on, no. build, on build quality. Their build quality still, to this day, feels borderline homebrew. Except for I've seen homebrewers with better build quality. And so, I mean, the big change, which I I thought was great for this, is finally like dropping those IDE connectors and going Molex and stuff. Things that didn't require so much glue. But yeah. 
But it's still, there's been a lot of feedback that the game is broken a lot. And I don't know if that's because it's so mech rich or they don't know what they're doing or if it's a combination or, or what. I don't right. know. I don't know. And again, I haven't played it. Uh, the images of the layout had me concerned from the get-go. My concern continues to hold true. Most, actually, I do not know a single high-level competitive player that thinks this is a good game. I don't know a single one. There may be one, but I don't know them. Right. And it's just... And from what I have heard as well from people monitoring, like uh, like Zach, my co-host on the Pinball Show, monitoring the market, these games are not... like In a time where it felt like everything pinball, no matter how garbage it is, becomes more valuable than when you bought it, that is not true for Halloween. People have been dumping their pre-order spots, some at a loss. And I know people that have mentioned they have this game and they don't want to sell right now because they will take a loss and they are hoping something somehow changes that they'll be able to unload it at cost. Wow. And they're will and you know what? Maybe it's worth taking that gamble because Right. Because yeah, I, I understand. Like you know, when you got into the habit of, oh yeah, I can buy I can buy Godzilla and I could sell it for as much as I bought it for. It's a very different thing to think, and even though it was only a couple of years ago where anything you opened out of a box, you knew to expect, oh, yeah, you're going to lose $500 for opening the box. That's actually not that bad of a loss. But people don't want to take it right now. Uh, and you're like, everything else is worth more. Why is, what's wrong with Halloween? And my first thought, to quote from Con Air, would be a lot. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, I would qualify it as a hot mess of a game. And this, again, what... What sources, what few, the rumors swirling around from what few sources I can muster in the air. Supposedly, like, leadership's different at Spooky now. Like, the youngins are in charge on this game, and it's kind of showing. If if those rumors are true, it is something that should be very eye-opening to Spooky. Because as we were discussing earlier, here's the question. Historically, my stance has been, pinball is so hot right now. To take a line from Colonel Tavington's character in The Patriot, this will be forgotten. That was before he burned everyone alive. I was going to say, but, but will it? But yeah, that's the thing. Will <laughs> it? Can? Are we at the point where people will go, "Oh, look, here's here's Spooky. They've got Nightmare on Elm Street, or here's Spooky. They've got Friday the Thirteenth. I'm not a day one buy because I'm worried it's going to be hot garbage, or and- or is this going to be FOMO?" Because Spooky, the thing that I think has been most impressive about Spooky is, unlike almost any of these other manufacturers, they have completely, rapidly, and efficiently leaned into FOMO and have totally exploited it to build their company very successfully. And so far, it's always worked. That there's the fear of missing out. That's, for those that don't know what FOMO is, the fear of missing out is so high to get into their limited build runs on these games, these licenses, which have, as time has gone by, become more and more attractive to people. Like, I think their license game has picked, really picked up over it time has. as well. You know, we're past the days of Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. We're into the realms of Rick and Morty and Halloween. But if you get burned on it, on a sale, can you, will you lose those people in the future? And I'm at the point where I think it may become a problem. And it's not just it's not just like, oh, Halloween wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. It's also spooky as, I think wisely, increased their build numbers. So the FOMO risk isn't, I mean, I mean, look at Halloween. I could, I have like a dozen I could pick from right now. 
There's no, I can have it before people that are still waiting to get their new inboxes. It's, it's, there's no reason for there to be a FOMO on it. These people just had to cash commit. So for me, I, I think of it as a multifold thing. If Spooky's going to keep increasing their production numbers, obviously that undermines the FOMO because there's more and more games available. And you know, even if a game is good, it will come up secondhand eventually. So there's that angle. There's the issue with the quality control and or the quality of the game, just the gameplay experience. And then there's Spooky continuing so far to mandate non-refundable deposits on people. And that's not a direction that I feel the end. That's the one thing that I think is the mistake out of any of the strategy is no one else is really doing that at this point. No one's sizable outside of maybe LEs. It's like you want to buy a game, you buy a game. When the game's ready, you right. buy it. But this, you know, locking down for 18 months, people with a thousand plus dollars sort of stuff, like you're a small fry and you don't want to commit your own cash to these builds. I don't know how, I don't know if people are going to keep tolerating it. I don't. I don't think so. Especially for quality like this. When you're starting to have, yes, Rick and Morty went over very well. But then Rob Zombie was a piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nightmare Castle was okay. Yeah, you know, uh, some people like the layout. Uh, the main thing I always heard about Nightmare Castle was a lot of respect for the rules. Right. Which but we'll touch on. <laughs> we'll when, touch on that too. When you, when you get there, we're not looking at anything... There is nothing that they have done recently that qualifies as anything that is going to keep that level of interest. Mm -hmm. That's going to keep that day one. The way things are going, unless something big changes with their next release or two, I would not be surprised to see that dropping off. And the question is, how will they handle it once said drop-off starts happening? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just realistic. I know I remember back when the whole thing occurred with uh, between them and Stern over the Godzilla license. Right, right. And all of that anger. Uh, they, they came out, and that's, that's why we knew Stern had the Godzilla license. Right, right. And, and they came out, and they really criticized how Stern went in, and in their view, poached that license away. And I'm glad Stern did, because they could never have put out a good game with that license. I, I'm going to say, you know... I don't know if they could or couldn't have because, again, Spooky has had good games, but it seems to me it's going to be my hot take. And I, I liked Alice Cooper okay, so that's kind of the exception. But but the success with Spooky has been when Denise has been involved. And that said, I heard a lot more criticism of his Rick and Morty layout than his TNA layout. Right. And personally, I think TNA is their best game. I but, do too. But it's also not really a Spooky game. Right. It was, it's like Valhalla. Spooky came in and built it for Denise. Right. And unlike Rick and Morty, TNA is a game where you spent years refining it and getting it mm-hmm. perfect instead of building something under contract sure. on a deadline. The saving grace, though, for Rick and Morty, and where I think there are a number of people that would, even if they acknowledge that TNA is a better player, layout-wise, I don't know if it is or isn't rules-wise, but... Because of the cooperation of the creator of Rick and Morty, it's very funny. It's got it great asset integration, something that Halloween has struggled with. Right. And again, that just goes to show, I mean, look at GNR. I don't know anyone who's criticizing the integration of the band with GNR. Oh, no, the integration was, on GNR is great. So that goes so far. 
and that was something that that was sort of a light, that was Spooky's lightning in a bottle was that integration with yeah they had extraordinary cooperation with Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper on those games as mm-hmm. well, um, but just Rick and Morty is so beloved that you know it was sort of this huge exception in that regard. Yeah, I just. Uh, with with spooky, it's yeah. There's also a lot of questions that I have. But the nice thing about it is they are very consistent in terms of being able to put out product. So it's a company where I would feel confident buying from, like that I'm going to get a game. It's right. Like, they're well past that. In some ways, they almost are more professional than some of the other manufacturers. They seem to keep to the schedule a lot better than many of the others. They do. So they have a lot of positives in their favor. But I think that they're their pre-order, their deposit pre-order approach is completely anachronistic at this stage compared to where the rest of the hobby has gone. Right. Coupled with just the shocking difference in the build quality that we see. Uh, and, and I mean, the actual literal putting together of the game, not like they've got great hard coat, uh, you know, clear coat formulation. I, yeah, that again, they have they have wins. It's not all that's like a big old cluster. Right. But I'm not wanting to be overly harsh, but... You know what? I mean, it's it's one of those companies where I just like I would rather have Led Zeppelin. And that's harsh. And just in terms of it's still it's still a better layout. It's still even with nothing on it, it's still a better layout. And I could tell that from photos. I yeah. can tell it from photos. I think the big thing is for for spooky is if they could move away from, like you said, their pre order model. But I think the biggest thing, even if they don't leave the pre-order model, is if they could get that build quality under control. Mm. If they could get it to the point where the first thing you do when you get your brand new spooky in your house and have it set up isn't open it up and go through and check every connection and make sure the screws are all tight and make sure things are in the right place and not the wrong because, oh, this whole this whole set has been shifted to, you know, one set of holes to the, to the side of where it's supposed to be. And you shouldn't have to do a complete rebuild of your machine before you fireball one. Mm. But with Spooky, I've talked to people who the first thing they do with their Spooky game is open it up and do a complete go-through of it before they fire it up just because they know there's going to be stuff they've got to adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I think the biggest... Uh, and again, this is something Spooky won't do, but just like... If it was, if I were spooky, I would seriously consider locating the build in the Chicago area. So you have access to the worker pool. I think that's the big, I think the struggle is they're in a very remote rural area. And so you're just kind of stuck with what you can get and train. And these people they're bringing in, I don't think have prior uh, manufacturing experience, much less manufacturing pinball experience because of a, it's a location challenge. It could be, it could be. They, they could even uh, go by if they just got a better like bring in somebody which is the hard part bringing somebody away from chicago just to act as a quality control manager and they've been saying they've been like this year they did talk about adding on quality control people so they they're trying to fix it I, yes. they are trying to fix it so you know kudos to them for they they are they recognize they, their issue they, they do they know they're not stupid and a lot of what they've done uh, while it has been very conservative in the sense of its of the growth model, it has been sa- it's been safe, but it's been successful. Yes, and so you can't. I mean, th- it's a they have an incredible success story going on there. It's just oh, yeah. they are not next level, and I would like to see them achieve it. I just 
every time I, you know, it would be, I think it'd be really interesting to see. And I don't think they face this as America's most haunted, what it would be like for them. If they did a run of a game, let's say they build, let's say the next game's Friday the 13th and they say they're going to build 2000 units and they only pre-sell 1500 of them. Be interesting to see like, how do they, what do they do to move 500 not pre-sold units? Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I want to know how it will work. Uh, because you know, one of the critiques, and I don't mean to spend too much time on it, but you know, one of the critiques I remember hearing from another commentator in the hobby was when they had Jack Danger come in and do the Halloween Ultraman reveal stream. And in his opinion, it was the dumbest move they could have done. They had pre-sold all these games. No one or next to no one had yet received them. And it looked bad. It looked bad and it undermined confidence. People saw the lack of assets. People saw they had mechanical issues. And it's like, you've already got everyone's money. Why are you Why are you showing a game when it can't even show itself in the best light? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because That's... you don't need it to sell. So yeah. why are you doing it? You already it? sold it all. Why do you need to do this? Right. And while I was annoyed that we didn't have access to it at Expo, I totally understood it simply from a uh, perspective, saying aside the purported issues that Spooky has with the Expo crew that runs it and why they aren't, aren't there at the show, because they're at another show a little bit later, uh, a few a couple weeks later, is, you know what? They pre-sold all the games. They don't need to show us Halloween. Yeah. They don't. Just like... Zach Many brought in a Godzilla LE, which was nice of him, but there was no need. Those were all sold. You don't have to show off an LE. They're gone. Stern yeah. needs you to do it, and you don't need to do it. You sold them all. Congratulations. But, thanks, know, for let me, but thanks for letting me play. Thanks for, thanks for letting me play, and thanks for all the fish. So let's go ahead and move on to uh, another company, which some people think is the second largest manufacturer. I think most people think it's the third largest manufacturer, though lately I have no idea where they would fall in the rank, and that would be Chicago Gaming Company. <sighs> you want to talk about a company that cannot keep with a production schedule in terms of new releases. We finally, late in this year, got to see the long-known Cactus Canyon remake. This was a surprise to no one, Cactus Canyon was known to be coming out for years at this point. Cactus Canyon? And holy cow, you thought we had to wait forever for Monster Bash remake? <laughs> Jeez, I swear they are getting exponentially slower. That's what it feels like. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just don't understand. So anyway, when it was finally formally revealed, and they announced the name a few months ago, and then at Expo in late October is when they finally showed the remake and i would say there was a lot of excitement on the new feature the new molded toys and stuff a lot of people seem really positive i mean it does look better than the original it does uh coupled with a lot of people especially on the le pricing were really shocked slash pleased with how affordable the le was compared to other le games that have been coming out but i feel a lot of this got distracted by the confusion about like getting the topper and then them rolling out an se plus which ended up being the same price as the le except it's still just the standard edition with a topper didn't have any of the other features added in coupled with the still unknown price to getting the lyman sheets josh sharp software but it will be more and it will be extra including for the le buyers um again the game sold out the le's pretty quick so there's that you know, the FOMO still was FOMO still ruled, just like we saw and discussed with Halloween and Ultraman. FOMO ruled with this as well, but I know there are a lot of people that are uncomfortable with where that might be going, but we don't know enough yet to be sure. You know, the rumors are that the the enhanced code is still gonna be nineties level deep. So 
If that's true, I think some people will be really happy, but it comes down to what the price is. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, people are thinking a thousand dollars at this point. But but that's begging the question about like when you're talking non-module P3 games, you're talking a few hundred dollars. So why is this so much more? Sort of, you know, but again, we don't know that it's so much more. We don't know anything other than it's it's coming. Like the like the dragons at the like end at of Game point. of Thrones. The dragons are coming. So I mean all the sources I have say that Chicago Gaming's next game is is a new licensed non-remake. So and that they're done with remakes. For the foreseeable future, they're done with remakes after this. Okay. Which I think is great, but I mean I'm really, I'm really worried because it took them forever to get the remake out. In fact, I, I heard some of the delay stuff was like trying to get some final approvals on. This is Cactus Canyon. No one cares about this license. It's a, it's not an exciting license. It's a Williams license. Uh, so I don't understand why it was so. Anyway, I don't understand. I just, I don't know what's going on with Chicago Gaming. They're still really respected from a quality perspective. Their quality is amazing. Uh, and I think a lot of the decisions they make with remakes are really good decisions. But I just, they're so slow. Everyone's so slow now. I feel like we're, but is, they're so slow. I just, I mean, Spooky's turning out games here left and right. And here's, here's Chicago Gaming. They could barely cobble together two prototypes to show us. They're like 15 minutes late to their own reveal. I, which was terrible. It's so weird. It's so amateur. I just, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Um, so, I mean, my overall thoughts for 2021 on Chicago gaming is simply, I'm glad they finally got this out. I'm in no way interested in it. I'm not interested in it. It, it, it It's fine. Cactus Canyon is a fine game. Uh, we'll see what happens with the new code. But yeah, no, it, it doesn't do anything special for me. Uh, I'm more interested to see what they do going forward. That's where my real interest lies is what they do and what it turns into now that they are moving out of the realm of being a full-time remaker. Yes. So I think we'll see, hopefully we'll see more. In theory, there's no reason that progress on planning the development, design, the rules for their new game was affected by Cactus Canyon. So I'm going to go ahead and say, they best be having this new game announced. It had best be in the first half of 2022. And I think I'm being pretty generous saying you have until July. Do not fail me. Because you know I get to set all these things. I was just saying. I'm, I'm the arbiter. I think if they were smart, they would drop it in 22. I think the reality of what we've seen from Chicago Gaming, 23. Okay. Well, I think I, we might get announcements in 22. I don't think we'll see the game till no. 23. I think I think that they will announce it in 2022. And I think if they were smart, it's announced by or at TPF. No, I think that would be the that's what they should do. I think they I do think that they're going to get some out by the end of the year. I don't know. I I mean, we'll see. It sounded like they I mean, they were claiming really aggressive CCR production levels oh, like yeah but jjp had claimed really aggressive stuff too yeah everybody claims they can claim all they want but none of them have shown us the reality well, none of us none of them have shown us that they can actually do what they're claiming 
historically, I've always associated Chicago gaming with missing expected, though they've done better than others about making promises, but missing my expected deadlines for revealing, releasing new games. But normally their production rates haven't been, now again, the pandemic is complicated stuff. So yeah. So in this case, it may be, may be true and they were overly aggressive, but I'd like to think they have a pretty good sense of their capabilities on their build rate. Versus JJP, which should have a good sense of its capabilities and then seems unable. But yeah, we're not going to go back on, on that. So anyway, so that's Chicago Gaming. So let's go across the great waters of the Pacific and talk about Haggis Pinball. A name which always makes me think it's supposed to be based in Scotland, but it's in Australia. Yeah. Okay, so 2022 uh, should be an interesting year for Haggis. 2021 was supposed to be an interesting year for Haggis. Uh, they have continued to put out Celts games. They have, as I've last seen, been building all the way through the end of this year, Celts games. Their big announcement was, hey, they're now in the remake game, just like Chicago Gaming. That's how I have them just after Chicago Gaming here. Now, they're in the remake game, too. Fathom revisited. Uh, interesting level of excitement. The price, I assume, put a lot of people off. This was a game that was not set to sell out the enhanced editions by the deadline. My understanding, and my understandings are very good in this case, is there were some distributors that picked up a number of these games to go ahead and sell it out, but they weren't going to make it otherwise. A sellout. Yeah. Which it didn't have to be a sellout. Right. But, you know, they were able to say, hey, we, you know, we sold all these units. I'm like, yeah, but I know how you did it. But that's okay. They're a newer manufacturer. Here's the thing. Obviously, like many manufacturers, not making the deadline. No. These games were supposed to start getting built in the summer, and it still hasn't started yet. So they're now talking, I think, January. but And they've been building Celts in the meantime. The reaction to this news, I want to get your take, but let me go ahead and share some pin sides up. So the pin side reaction's interesting, because Haggis was given, in my opinion, quite a pass by a lot of people initially. However, at this point... There are some people that are kind of in that that fan category that things we've seen out of Multimorphic and mm-hmm. out of Spooky. Smaller manufacturers get these fans that are kind of like we got to hype them up. You know, too too small to allow to fail. That's kind of how I feel. It seems, yeah, rightly or wrongly. Um, but Haggis had kind of built a reputation on doing a lot of updates. Overly, I think, updating. They were at some points they're putting out videos weekly. Then when the updates slow, people get suspicious. And then there have been lately more people going, what's going on with Haggis? There's problem, you know. Now, some of them may be overreacting because, again, almost everyone's behind because of the pandemic. But that being said, much like Highway Pinball, which built some cred by running not very many full throttles and then running into issues on Alien, some people are going, you know, not very many Celts actually were sold. Is this company really, do we, is it really proven just because it turned out a few games? Like, not everyone's a spooky where they turn out 150 of something and there weren't 150 Celts sold no. either. So, anyway, your th- your thoughts, Tony? Because that's all the news that I have on Haggis. I always forget they exist. Well, we've not uh, we've not seen any of their game. Right. Their game in and, the flesh. Right. And, I mean, a Fathom remake is, it's a Fathom remake. It's nothing to be, best of luck. I don't expect anything from them at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about the enhanced uh, versions rules. Um, Martin Robbins, uh, 
you know, pinball podcaster. He's over on final round now, but he was best known for head to head back in mm-hmm. the day. Um, and we've had him on our show before, before yeah. he worked for Haggis. He's doing those. He's, he's with the company now. Um, I, I think he's weighed in a little bit on Kelts rules, but I think Fathom was the one he's really been, been developing. Obviously he believes in the company that said, you know, Steve Bowden worked for deep root and was, you know, was that mean sort, right. of, sort of thing? Um, I'm not overly concerned at this point because I don't think these delays are excessive in comp- you know, in comparison to other manufacturers we've seen. I think it's on par, but they are new and I'm not going to just defaultly think that I, everyone gets the benefit of the doubt on bootstrapping their way to victory because we've seen so many fail at it. Right. Um, I've met, there are plenty of people that claim to have a strong will that break uh, on the wheel. And, and you know, the pinball wheel apparently breaks a lot of people. It does. So I'm not, personally, I'm not concerned at this point. Um, I'm also not really in the market for anything that they're, de- no. they're dealing. Well, and, and they're not big enough to be concerned about it. No, no. If they vanish, they vanish. My, my biggest critique, I guess, of Haggis isn't the delay. I think the decision to only offer the enhanced software to the enhanced edition of Fathom was a mistake. Yes. I think they should have had it as an add-on option for those that end up buying the classic version, but... There may be logical, like logistical reasons that they couldn't. I don't know, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go ahead and transition over to Multimorphic and their P3 platform. Now they've actually had a number of games come out over the last twelve months. There was the Shoot and Scoot game, which technically came out in late December, yeah, uh, of twenty twenty. Then Silver Falls, that's Nick Baldridge's game, and then their their mainline uh, add on for what was it? it was for the it was for the other CCR uh, the Cosmic Kart Racing uh, module I believe for Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, which we got to play along with Heist, which was a twenty twenty game, but we hadn't played it until this year at Expo. Um, so the thing is, the only one of these games that's come out of theirs was Sorcerer's Apprentice, and I didn't really like it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. It's just kind of. Like I liked, I understood what they were going for with kind of this RPG mechanic, uh, and maybe that works better in a home environment. Which again is kind of, I mean, that's what P three is focused on as a home experience. Like that's my view of them. Um, what were your thoughts? Because you played it, I played it. Uh, it was all right. Um, I know we talked about it just a few episodes ago. I it uh, once again it fell into the nothing that I would buy, no reason I would buy a P three for. The only thing that did, I mean, a heist was very enjoyable. Heist is a reason to get a P3. Sure. Um, The other stuff is just Mm add-ons, and I don't think any of the other add-ons are enough. There is nothing that continues to be the issue. There's nothing that makes me want to buy this system. And I've I've felt, and I heard they picked up sales from their their showing at Expo, and I think that makes sense as more and more people get to experience Heist. The thing for me is... Uh, and the model, and actually, I just heard an interview with Jerry, uh, the the man behind uh, Multimorphics P3 on Final Round podcast. Actually, um, was to talk about them, and this makes sense. I mean, the whole structure of this makes sense about it being about you're wanting to keep the people who buy the system owning the system. You know, the rest of the manufacturers don't really care, right? After, in terms of after support, in the sense of you know, people are going to flip the game and move on and get a new game with P3. Ideally, you keep the platform and you just keep adding more and more and more to it. And right. we've discussed ad nauseum about the issues with, you know, you can't really unload a module easily because the market share of just for a module is so small because it's really only existing P3 on a Right. All that, all that whiny stuff that we won't need to go into. 
the thing though that it, that I've wondered is I think it's 2P3's advantage that pin prices from the traditional manufacturers have continued to go up and up in price while P3 has held the line. That is very true. So that that's been helpful. But the flip side is with all those other ones, it's also very and there's no reason why this couldn't work with P3 also, but currently like most people don't have a lot of qualms about going dropping over $10,000 for a Godzilla LE knowing that they can sell it and then buy another game later right at no loss yeah and that's the big th- that's the big thing that the other i mean okay yeah halloween no you ain't going to get that but you buy a mandalorian pro you're not going to lose money on the mandalorian pro cur- in the current market so you could sell that and buy another pinball machine bring it in sell that bring it and then that and that demand because it's always the full game is always there with you it's mm-hmm. easy i'm using air quotes but it's easy to move in and out of traditional pinball uh, for the typical pinhead. Yeah. Once you're in, you always right. have the ability until you get to a point where it's like, this game is permanent collection. Then suddenly you have to generate the funding to get another game. Right. And of course, the big challenge is costs go up and up and up is the amount of cash that you tie up in inventory. Correct. You know, that's the where that's where there is an issue, and where I know some some of my collector friends. They're they're too short sighted to see that. They just see it as, oh well you can the value is still there, so the price of the game's irrelevant. It's like you're close in the sense that you're not losing money, but you're wrong in the sense that it costs way more now to like if you were to get into let's say you wanted to buy five new inbox games in twenty fifteen and you wanted to buy five new inbox games now, the amount of cash outlay you need now is significantly, significantly way more. And it's and your paycheck is not kept up in the same inflation rate that right. the pins have gone up. And that's the thing. That's what I'm, I try and emphasize. And I think most people get it. It's not that hard to understand conceptually if you think about it in terms of other pocketbook issues. Um, the thing with uh, P3, and we didn't cover this. This is, new, this is new news, is they have announced that now Bowen Karens, who was doing rules for Spooky, right. is now with them, as is Colin McAlpine, another top-level player. And so. we've seen good rules coming out of top-level players. Uh-huh. So this is all good, provided they can put out a theme that anybody cares about right. that has good rules. And, and that's where the license theme comes up. And again, that got discussed on that final round episode. This is, and here's my, I don't think this is a hot take. So here's just my <laughs> take. They teased that licensed game way too early. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they thought it would be out by now or not, but I i mean, setting aside the confusion people had between Silver Falls and Sorcerer's Apprentice being that game. Yeah. Silver Falls because Nick ended up getting Scott Denisi to do the sound for his game and Scott's confirmed for doing the sound on the licensed game. So people conflated the two. And then Sorcerer's Apprentice because it has a name that shares the name or a similar name with a licensed Disney property, even though P3 did try and make it clear this is not the licensed right. game. Still, people just heard the name and they just made assumptions. So it's not all their fault. No, but, but they what shouldn't is their have... fault is they teased a game and it's not. it wasn't the next game to come out. That's the problem. And I get it. Like Silver Falls was a third-party developer. That's Nick's game. They just sell it on their platform. So I get like they can't control when Nick was ready to put his game out. But they could control when Sorcerer's Apprentice was. Right. And see, that's one thing that people fault Stern for 
is there the oh the biggest secret in pinball type stuff they don't make an official announcement until they're showing you the bloody game and i think that is something that would help a lot of these other groups i you know i i'll disagree if the models stayed exactly the same, I, I suppose, but I really don't understand why any of them continue to play this game. Video games announce their licenses years ahead of time. I don't know why Stern and the rest of them don't just flat not not play this. Oh, well, the next game's a license. To, to, no, just come out and say, guess what? It's Rush, and then it's James Bond, and then it's Back to the Future. Boom. There's your next year's games. Travis Murray has advocated this for yeah. them doing like a stern day and then dropping just like the next year's games i would even go further and say drop all the licenses that you know the argument that the line people are going to hold off on buying because they're waiting for stuff they're doing it off the rumors anyway right the line will be successful and move as long as the game is good right and then you also i mean i can see it you also have the point where people are doing the whole well i put in my thing for 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 Mando, but my Mando hasn't come yet, and now Godzilla's out, so I'm shifting to Godzilla mm-hmm. because it's a better game. Sure. Well, I mean, so, that would be, I mean, that's the kind. Yeah. Of thing. Imagine if the license were no. I bet a bunch of people have been like, okay, um, let's say you knew Led Zeppelin, uh, Jurassic Park, The Pin, Mandalorian, and Godzilla. You could see a lot of people going off the list and going, okay, I'm gonna I. You know, I like Led Zeppelin as a band, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get on my distributors list for The Mandalorian when it drops. They go and they buy The Mandalorian. They love it. Then Godzilla comes out and they're like, this is a better game. Now I'm going to sell my Mandalorian. I'm going to also buy this. And like Stern, right. where, where did Stern lose in any of that? They didn't. Yeah. See, but the, I think the important thing there that makes that better than what we're looking at with what we're looking at P3 is they if they do, when they do say it, they show you something immediately. And I think even in this case, they'd be better if they just said it instead of saying, we have a license and then not say anything else. Well, now, not like, yeah, let's approach it from, remember, we're in the current FOMO, everyone desperate for stuff environment. So rather than selling units off of Heist, which is a very fun game in my view. It is. Let's say you knew that sometime in 2022, P3 will be releasing... The Legend of Zelda. Let's say that's what they've got. I don't know what they've got. All I know is that Jerry has uh, repeatedly said that it is a like a Grail theme to some of the people who are working on it. But Grail themes for half the people sure. in pinball are insane. Well, yes. But I could envision Legend of Zelda being a, such a Grail. So let's say that he, how many units would he sell before the game's even ready if we knew what the license was? Because people wouldn't want to wait once it's ready. They'd want to buy the module and get going. Right. I see no downside. I mean, if it's a new module, they'd still have to wait for the module, but they'd already have the system. The system. And currently, last well, I shouldn't say currently. The last I heard, people ordering were having to wait three months to get their P3 system. So if you're really into the theme, you probably want to get your order in now. But if you don't know the theme, who's going to order off of that? Off True. of the mystery? I think it's a valid point. So... That's where I, that's where I'm like to me in my non-business mere simpleton nonprofit perspective it's like I just I don't get the deal unless there's some reason you might still lose the license which if you've got a signed agreement you wouldn't right unless it's written in the license I, and again I don't know why they because everything else again everything else I'm familiar with it's just like stuff just come you know people can say it I Right. The thing would be they might not be able to show you any assets, but 
You just need to know the name. Don't forget, Deep Root cultivated a lot of interest when they just said, hey, you guys. They didn't even say Goonies. They said, hey, you guys. Yep. That's a dream theme for some people. Sure. And so, you know, that it's... So anyway, that would be my... That's the one thing. I just think they teased it way too early. Uh, and maybe they didn't mean for it to take this long to come out. But it's confused people, yeah. which I don't think is healthy. And it may be the people's fault. But I don't think you get very far... Uh, as fun as it is in pinball by just saying, well, people need to be less dumb if you're selling stuff. And I'm, they didn't say that, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> I, I, I know, I've known supporters who've been like, well, they clearly said that Sorcerer's Apprentice isn't the licensed game. Why are people stupid? I'm like, it's good P3's not posting that on their Facebook. Yes. Going well, around telling your customers that you're too stupid well, to understand our marketing strategy is a bad look. And, it's- and also, just because it says, well, they said when they made the announcement that it's not, the, it's not, the license thing doesn't mean the people who hear about the game later heard that announcement. Sure. A lot of this is coming up on forums and stuff. Yeah. That's where it's that's where it's coming up. So, all right. So uh, Dutch pinball. Uh, not much to say. I've only basically I, I listen to pinball news and pinball magazine podcast, and one of the hosts, Jonathan, is friends with one of the guys behind Dutch pinball. So occasionally he has updates. There's basically been nothing. It sounds like they are still making Big Lebowski's. It sounds like the sales have way slowed. And from what little I've been able to tell via Pinside, there are a whole lot of pre-orderers who are still waiting because, you know, they have to sell X number of games right. before they issue one to a pre-order. Wasn't it like 10 to 1 or 5 to 1 or something You know, I like think that. originally they were shooting for 3 to 4 to 1, and it sounded more like 5 to 1 at this day. But yeah. again, that's all alleged by my... Don't quote me on that. I'm not saying that's what the company said. Did it said. Yeah, well, I mean, you could say that's what I said, but don't, like, hold the company to it. I'm not saying I know for sure. My mind doesn't... I don't care about them enough to double-check. I'm sorry. I don't. Here, here's the thing. They are attempting to make right their issues. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's cool. I hope they can finish and successfully make right all the people that they screwed. And I hope they go away. Yeah, that's the, I mean, we've discussed it in a historic episodes a number of times when this was more uh, front page style news, but in my mind, Dutch Pinball shouldn't be a manufacturer anymore. May, at, at best, wrap up TBL and then and then shut down. You know, don't bankrupt but go out of business. And yeah. In a lot of ways, personally, I felt that bankruptcy and pennies on the dollar might have been the better solution. I mean, how many years is it really worth? To, be, to me, it's not a victory if you had to wait a decade to get your game. You're like, I got my game. I'm like, yeah, well, if you had your money and you were able, even if you only got like 80% of it back and you were able to throw it in an index fund, how much more money would you have than the value of that TV? Right. That's where I'm kind of at with it. And I've been at that for quite a while. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't think, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, speaking of other is what it is companies, so Pinball Brothers. So Oh, yeah, they exist. Yeah, they exist. They kind of, uh, you know, they were tied to Highway Pinball in some capacity, and they now run the Alien license. Um, not a whole lot uh, of news on that front. They had like a, a limited, I think they called it the LV model. They finally just recently revealed that. Uh, they've been shipping Alien pins. People are getting them. There are still build issues. Uh, like Highway had build issues. I hear less build issues, but I don't have a good scientific measure. Right. They took steps to make it more stable, but there are still some high uh, mechanical fail points that exist. So there's that. And then, of course, we don't have a lot of information, but they did tease the Queen license. Like they had that, there right. was that pop-up shop in, in England, uh, I think in the, London. Yeah. And um, 
and yeah, it had a, a non-playable game. So, so there'll be more from them, I think, in 2022. 2021 is basically seemed like a mostly keep your head down, turn out um, aliens at a rate that isn't great but isn't terrible, and people have some concerns, but ultimately it's going better than Highway. So, yay! Yeah, they're they still exist we'll see we'll see what you know happens. i always thought given how they were able to kind of get a lot of the assets out before highway was kind of bankrupted at the time this was when i was still you know idealistic and naive more naive than i am now and thought that people would remember have the member berries and be like we will punish companies that deliberately uh salvage stuff and cost the real creditors money mm-hmm. uh, and no no and no 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 not this not- is where this is where after seeing stuff like that um I get where you come from, where you're like, you wouldn't be surprised if some company hires John Trudeau. Oh, I expect and y'all, it. And y'all being the listeners actually tolerate that and buy games. I expect it. I 100% so, expect it. So it's stuff like, it's stuff like this sort of short-term memory. You know, as long as I get what I, what, what I want, you'll put up. I got mine. I, yes, I got mine. Maybe. I got mine. And I'm just, that's the, I, it's, anyway. it's, yeah, I'm, it's not, a bad I'm not here issue. to be overly judgmental, but uh, the I got mine stuff gets a little tedious because it's uh, there's a lot of bad behavior that people give a pass on, and I was never keen on how Highway was shot. like the way they yeah, the, the way, way they finagled all the the assets. I thought was super sus. The way the assets got moved I thought strategically, it was super sus. exactly yeah. within the just window within the time that's allowed yeah. to yeah. do the under the mm-hmm. rules. And you want you want a modern you want a cruel but modern analogy Purdue. The opioids. That's yeah. what it reminds me of. I can see that. And how that's the Sackler a... family. Oh, how convenient! Took all the money away, and then now Purdue Pharma can't pay for any any claims. And here's the bankruptcy stuff and all that. And it's yep. like, where'd all their money go from selling opioids? Oh yeah, the owners funneled it out over well before the time frames could go back and kick in. How convenient! How convenient! convenient. So anyway, anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm whining. Um, so let's end with the final manufacturer I have in the list, Deep Root. Deep so, Root. No games. This was the manufacturer drama story of the year. I know we have talked at great exhaustively. length. Exhaustively about <laughs> them. And during this episode, we've talked about and given a lot of critiques on a lot of the manufacturers. But, yes. But holy cow. have I have never seen a spectac- as spectacular an implosion as we have seen with Deep Root. And... You deserve credit, Tony, because you had been one of the most skeptical people about Deep Root. In fact, you might be the mo- you and Scott over with Loser Kid were like <laughs> the two most skeptical people. I mean, I was giving Deep Root more of a pass than you. You were always like, "Ain't gonna happen. Never gonna, gonna happen. happen. None of this makes sense." For me, the re- and if people wonder why were you more right than me. My, it does my, happen. It does. Well, no, obviously it does. But, but the thing with me with Deep Root was always that, like the numbers didn't work for me, like the burn cash rate and all that. I just assumed Robert was lying about that. That was the difference. <laughs> I thought when he was like saying we're spending seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a month on staff, I'm like, no, you you just said that to be boastful. You're not actually spending that much because that would be millions of dollars and you're not making anything. Right. But, so no, that's you're just, you're it's hyperbole. You're you're lying. I don't lying so aggressive, but yeah, you're lying. You're using you're hyperbole. Exaggerating. You're using like the hammer test. Not going to yeah. leave a single mark. You're using a little bit of hyperbole for hype. You know, you're not really spending that much because that'd be crazy. 
It'd be crazy to spend that much money on. Well, looking at what the SEC has been indicating, Securities and Exchange Commission, and they're uh, doing a civil suit over where the money came from. But based off of the transfers and such announced, it's like, no, I guess he wasn't lying. I guess he really was spending that much money. Millions of dollars to turn out nothing. nothing. I think I read that. I think Ben Heck claimed that when Spooky got its start with America's Most Haunted, it was $40,000 was what they committed. That's... And to be successful as a company, they needed to sell 100 games. That was the target. They sold 150, and they set that right. as a limit. Um, ultimately, they didn't originally have a limit, as I recall. But, so, I mean, again, with Deep Root, what we've been seeing, especially in the latter part of the year, the company at the start of the year had been putting out almost monthly updates because Raza, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventurelands, was supposed to be out this year. It was supposed to be out before this year, but it was supposed to be out this year. <laughs> they had taken some pre-order money. There were things about the start of the year. We were hearing about UL certification and issues with getting certain parts and things. And then the next thing you know, there are no more updates. And this SEC thing is, figure, is discovered. And... No one's there anymore, and it all just falls apart. All sorts of accusations that the SEC has regarding the taking of investment funds that were supposed to go into certain types of investments and being poured into the very subsidiaries under Deep Root, including Deep Root Pinball. It is, well, to some, perhaps not the most dramatic of all the pinball failures we've heard about. To me, it is the most, and it easily is the most shocking waste of money we have yes. ever, I just, and when you think about how much was poured into, and we're seeing story, you know, we got, we've talked about the Blueberry Johnson uh, handle individual on Pinside and the information he shared from former employees, the sheer magnitude of waste right. and, and meddling by management on decisions they didn't understand in and of itself, setting aside the whole SEC's legal concerns, which are very serious, just the pinball meddling and the lack of understanding. I've actually seen people that Blueberry has shared from saying that like John Papaduke, J-Pop was one of the sane voices in the company saying things were going out of, were way out of scope and that he was being ignored. How bad is that? That it's when fascinating. When J-Pop is, is one of the people it's like, who's like uh, on the and, level. And you would hope after Zidware and what happened with him in American Pinball that he would be like, I know what doesn't work anymore. You would really hope that. I mean, you would more hope that he would not be involved in the hobby anymore. But you would hope. You would hope. You would hope that he would have learned some stuff. But a company where they're just like, where you would hear that claims, you know, allegedly that Robert would go in and just change stuff and start making demands that weren't based in reality. And and all of a sudden shifts would happen to happen. And how much delay happened, because was, I don't think surprised a lot of people, but the, the pin bar was this huge barrier and it put them so far behind on things. And then... You know, the thought that he he had hoped that they were going to sell like a thousand units of Raza was the goal and it wasn't even nearly 200. Right. Just all the, uh, you're, and all the money they were spending on designers and the animation studio and, oh my God, and Dennis Nordman coming out and saying he didn't even have an engineer. And one of the things with the deep, you know, bringing the deep six down and then they not having any manufacturing capabilities yet established. And it was like, it's wow. Just wow. Here's the thing. Fascinating. This whole deep root drama thing is going to make an awesome, like, 45-minute 
YouTube deep dive documentary from some creator in the next few years where they just do the complete and utter run of it all um, and just dive into it. And once we get more of the background information, once the SEC stuff starts rolling up, it's going to just turn into this amazing long form thing that I cannot wait to watch. Mm -hmm. I've already actually come up with the title of the series. Lula deep. (laughs) Lula deep. Lula deep. So anyway, so (sighs) people can go back and hear all the details, obviously on our prior episodes talking about deep root. Many of the times I incorporated the deep root into the title. So they're easy to find on SoundCloud, but, um, so just to wrap up our, our year-end review on pinball, uh, just some other highlights. Uh, I wanted to throw out a couple. Uh, one of the positive highlights for me was we finally saw the resumption of the IFPA points, which kind of marked the formal resumption of the tournament scene. So yes. locally, we've been playing pinball again. Um, Not this month, unfortunately. But No, no, but just had some. Oh, we had one cancellation uh, of the event, and then we had one that I had to miss. So, But that was on me. Yeah. Um, so, but overall, you know, it's been nice. To, it's a somewhat of a sense of normalcy, um, you know, seeing seeing our pinball friends in the area again. That's been really that's nice. That's been real good. And then um, Expo. You and I hadn't gone to a show since 2019. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Expo. And, you know, in my opinion, the Expo, the actual Expo itself was hot garbage. Um, I actually heard on another podcast, Josh Sharp from Raw Thrills, uh, Software Co., creator of the Cactus Canyon uh, remake actually say to someone not to listen to me and my statements about Expo. <sighs> Josh probably doesn't listen to this, but if you're listening, Josh, Josh, you weren't even at Expo this year. You don't know. You don't know what I saw. You don't know. You don't know. Here's the thing. You don't know. We had fun at Expo. Yes. It was great to meet up with friends mm-hmm. and talk to people that we'd never talked to before or that we hadn't talked to in several years in person. It was great to get together with fans. The actual mechanics and existence of the show wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. And like uh, another Kansas City-based fan said when we were talking about the show afterwards, it probably would have been more fun overall just to set up a big group friend run to Chicago than to have actually burned the kind of time that was burned at Expo. Just because you could hang out with your friends and do fun stuff around Chicago that was enjoyable. Yes. It was basically a good excuse for a lot of people from around the country to get together and then leave the expo location and actually have fun. Yes. I do not regret going and doing Not a bit. But I'm not planning to do it in 2022. (laughs) I'll do TPF instead. Yes. I will say that if we get to, if we're at a point where I can comfortably do two shows in a year, uh, uh, which this obviously isn't because it's two separate years. But if I got to a point where I could do two shows in a year easily, Expo would not be on that list. I'd find something new. I want to try a different show as well. I agree. Um, And I don't know. Did you have any other uh, year-end review highlights you wanted to hit on that we didn't talk about? No. Okay. No, I I think we did. Really good. I think so. Uh, so before we move on to video games, uh, let me wrap up. Got to do Rumor Corner. Rumor Corner! Because people, people, they, people, the people demand the it. Rumors. Did you know that we are the number one free podcast source of rumors? I 
just naturally assumed. Well, I would naturally assume as well. But apparently, this was like a title that's now been bestowed on us by me. So, so let me give you... Now, here's one. Do we get crowns? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. And we might be the first source of this uh, for those that can't read because it's been on Penn's side. But I just recently saw it. So I'm going to share it here. There is now a rumor going around that Jersey Jack Pinball has the license to do The Godfather and that Eric Minier will be designer on it. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm reading. They can't all be super exclusive rumors, folks. Sometimes I have to turn to the pin side. Sometimes I use my spies and informants. Sometimes I go with the most crazy tales I hear across the ocean, you know, Harry Potter and home pin. And sometimes yeah, it's what I read from an Australian posting on pin side. It just depends. It just depends on the sources. It's wherever you get. Rumors, rumors is as rumors does. That's right. Are you not rumor-tained? We are rumor-tained. Oh, God. Godfather is such a terrible theme. It's... Oh, it's so I bad. I probably rewatch Godfather 1 and 2 about every 12 to 18 months. I really enjoy those movies. But they are dramas, uh, and they're not fast-paced. There's not a lot of action in no- either of them. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't do Godfather 3 because it's a terrible movie. Um, and so because of that, I think you were mentioning earlier, and I've seen this on Pinside as well, so you definitely are not alone in this company, thinking you know, a gangster-style movie like Scarface would make a lot more oh, sense. Oh, totally make more sense. And and actually, there are a number of like Martin Scorsese uh, mobster movies like The Departed or whatever that, that would be, I think, work a lot better. Than Goodfellas. Godfather. Goodfellas, yeah. that's Goodfellas that's, would be excellent. So, so yeah, I, Godfather is an iconic, incredibly great film. And if you haven't seen Godfather or Godfather 2, I really do recommend yes, it. Yes, no, there, it's Even excellent. if you're not into dramas, but... As a pinball theme, I I wouldn't go this way. No, it's it seems like and I don't a know terrible again, pinball. Like with all our rumors, we don't know how true this rumor is. It's just, but it is a rumor, and it is our obligation. The sad thing is to show if it to it you is in a this rumor corner. That is true. That means one of the upcoming pinball slots from JJP, which, given their current rate of putting games out, means in twenty four or twenty five. It's going to be Godfather, which means you're not going to get another game out to like 27, and then it'll probably they'll probably have picked something dumb like Ace Ventura. And actually, gosh, that actually might not be terrible. Hello, Zahar. That's what they could play during the match sequence because you drained. Oh God, that would be good. Do not go in there. <laughs> I think so you need good. to do both. I think you need to do both because yeah. there needs to be a mode where well, yeah. you where you birth yourself out where of the you birth rhino. Yourself out of the rhino. <laughs> that should be a mech. That you, you slam balls into a rhino's butt to to build up your multi ball, and then it bloop, 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 out. It, it, there we go. Uh, I already half designed it for you. I designed your special <laughs> mech. It will be a brand new mech. Nobody has ever given. An anal exam to a rhino, and then multi-balled out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's brand new mech. There you go. That one, I just put my name somewhere on the design team, and I'll be good. Uh, that would be fun. I look forward to it. So video games. Tony. Okay. We're done with pinball. We're done with pinball. End of the year video games. It was a crap year. Lots of bad stuff happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to talk about it. Mm. We're going to go. I've got a few interesting little notes from the last couple weeks. And then I thought we would just talk about the games we've played and what we've enjoyed. So for our interesting notes first, in what I think is very humorous, um, 
The Hugo Awards, they're, those are the literary awards for science fiction and fantasy. Oh, yeah, they've been around a long time. Yeah. Uh, they created a one-off category this year specifically for video games and are considering making it a full-time um, category that oh. they put an award for. Okay. Interesting. I, I was surprised when I heard from it. Uh, the nominees this year were Hades. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Spiritfarer, Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part Two, and Blazeball. And Hades won. Mm. And I think that makes sense. Yep. It, it's a great game with an interesting the, story. The writing is, if, and I'm wondering if that's what they're judging. Yeah, I don't know. Because even when I went to their website, it did not say right. what, how they but decided. It's really interesting how it tells the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, from the story point of view, it would obviously have been Hades or Last of Us Part Two. Uh, but I just I thought it was interesting for uh, something like that uh, to have added a video game category. So we'll see if it becomes a permanent addition or if it's just a one-off. Uh, how that goes, uh, I was interested to notice that when I was going through their award winners, um, I haven't read a single book in their Best Book of the Year nominees. And that's unusual because normally I've read at least two. So that was weird for me. Uh, Amazon's New World's MMO uh, that started so oh, strong. yes, yes. Uh, with a huge opening spike. They had almost a million concurrent like within a week or so of starting up. Uh, has dropped down to a point where they're merging servers. And I'm not talking like they're merging servers like, oh, we're just going to merge a couple servers here. They're merging hundreds of servers oh. to bring their player counts up. Now, one interesting thing is the way Amazon New Worlds worked is they aimed for a server player count of around 1,000. So they had lots of small servers. But some of their servers are so low on people, they are combining seven servers to get a player count back up near 1,000. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and this combination has the, this uh, uh, merger's done at this point. Uh, they did it last week, but yeah, they were merging. Sometimes they were merging, you know, just two servers. But when I was going through the merge list, there were lists of up to seven servers to make into a single server to get it to a player count of near the thousand. That is their goal. Um, the game has also dropped on Steam from mostly positive to mixed. So. The fall is continuing to be quick. Ouch. Uh, for a game that came out in like October? <laughs> Late September, early October? Yeah, wasn't that long ago that you first brought it up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, in the exact opposite uh, corner, Square Enix, for the second time this year, has ceased selling Final Fantasy XIV and they have closed new, car- new, new player. Uh, uh, signups and new character creation because their servers are so overcrowded with the release of the Endwalker um, expansion. Uh, Previously, when they'd done this over the summer, it was because uh, when the WoW collapse happened and so many people transitioned. Yeah, that surge. Yeah, from WoW to Final Fantasy XIV. They had to do that for a short period of time, and now they're doing it again uh, until they get their servers brought back up and build up to a point where they can handle the current surges. Um, Also on an interesting bit, uh, Tencent, the world's largest gaming company, bought Turtle Rock Studios, makers of 
Back for Blood. Uh, yep. Which is the Left for Dead. Yep. Uh, thing. Spiritual successor. Yeah. Uh, and so they're a hundred percent owned by Tencent now. Mm. Uh, but what's interesting also is, and where I initially had found out about this was because uh, Turtle Rock finally released a patch that is working on their biggest complaint about Back for Blood, which is the fact that even if you're playing alone with bots. You had to be fully online. Yep, I remember that. They're That's f- like the only criticism I've. Heard yeah, of it. and they're they're finally they're finally fixing that. You okay. don't have to That's have good. an internet connection for solo play anymore. Um, Twitch added new uh, features uh, for when you unsubscribe from somebody you follow that allows you to say why you unsubscribed, um, or like if you just. If you just do a one-month manual subscription oh, okay. and it drops, it'll just say, hey, manual subscription. But it gives it just gives content creators an ability to look to see if there was something that they did or some specific reason why they have a sudden surge in. Are these like radio dial options? Because if it's just write-in, it might be too... I don't know. It's often, I, 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 hate, I they, hate analyzing write-ins. It's, a, it's frustrating. From the way they listed it, it's more like the unsubscribe buttons. Like when, uns- oh, like, oh, why, oh it's yeah. spam. Or did, oh, yeah, yeah, where there's like, you choose unsubscribe okay. and there's like five different things and it falls into one of those okay. is how it sounds like. Right. And they said it so it's not... You have to, as a creator, you have to search for it. It's not just thrown in your face because that that was the big concern is the people didn't want to deal with seeing why people were unsubscribing all the time because for some people that would be hurtful. So they chose to put it where it's there for the content creators if they choose to look to to look it up, mm. but they don't have to see it. Okay, wow. And what I think is the most interesting of everything, Minecraft. Hit one trillion views on YouTube this wow, year. Wow, that's a lot of views. Uh, and in celebration for that, YouTube created a special page just going over the numbers and talking about it. Hmm. Uh, I included a link in the show notes for you uh, that will take you to their little page, and they just show you the trends and talk about the hours and the amount of time, and it's like. If you were to watch like a minute of every video, it would be like 30,000 years. <laughs> well, I'll put it on For 2X. View, it'll be yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it'll be fine. But uh, it just it's kind of interesting because they've got a, a, I don't know, the graph that shows the changing over the years trends in it in uh, YouTube uh, Minecraft videos from just like normal playthroughs to like super hard versions and speed runs and the big ones, which are like RP and uh, a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who use Minecraft uh, as the background to build and do animations where they're just telling like entire stories where they're using my Minecraft server as just the world, but they're playing characters and telling stories almost like it was a TV show. Okay. Uh, Which, I Red know, versus blue style. Yeah. From the old Halo days. Right. And I know they get a ton of views just from my household mm. because both of my daughters watch the crap out of a couple of those uh, creators. So, uh, one interesting thing I saw was that it took eight years for Minecraft to generate its first 500 billion views, it generated its second 500 billion in two. 
It has, it has been in the perhaps the most incredible video game success story. I bet Microsoft's really glad they bought it. Oh, they yeah. Did. And they bought it. They And I know, I remember when that buyout happened and it was for so much money and people were like, but Minecraft's over. Mm-hmm. It's done. Why, why would they spend? Nothing is over. Why would they spend $2 billion on this that it's so simple and the graphics right. are, that it's nothing I, impressive. I thought, I thought it was overpaid at the time. I didn't think much else, but but it I was is, wrong. It yeah. was a great buy for them. It was a wonderful buy. It's been super successful. It's just gotten bigger and more popular. So, uh, yeah, good on Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So, after that, I thought we'd just talk about a little bit some of the games we've played this year, what we've liked, what we've not liked. Uh, my year has had a lot of, um, I guess I want to call them... Uh, older games, uh, call them repeat games, games that I've played, you know, in years past that have been a hardcore of what I've been playing. Um, like Battletech uh, from Hairbrain Studios. Uh, my playtime is up over 800 hours now. Mm. I know I was under 700 when I, when this year started. I think I was in, I was like, I think I was in like the 650s when the year started. Um, uh, I've played uh, several other pretty good-sized games, uh, specifically Project Wingman when it came out. Um, I played a lot of Project Wingman, um, which is a indie ace combat game Okay, uh, uh, that was quite enjoyable into the year. Uh, Hades, I play. I've played Hades a lot more this year, uh, continuing it. Uh, but for the most part, it's been BattleTech and BattleTech-related games, and Final Fantasy XIV, which ate six months of my life mm. before I took a break because I started Final Fantasy XIV in late May, just ahead of the surge, uh, the big surge that happened. I got in just as that was rolling before it really got going and um i'm still subscribed and i've still been playing uh not as hardcore as i was there for those first like five months uh but it's definitely going to be the game that i would qualify as the game i probably played the most this year okay that makes sense. Given so, how yeah, how heavy you were hitting it there for because I was hit playing it just like continuously until like October when I started playing other games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was looking over my list here to see kind of what what I had done over the last year, and as usual, I didn't play a whole high volume of games really. Um, the big change for me this year is historically I've I've used to put in quite a bit of time doing my arcade modes weekly in in Overwatch. Kind of faded that out after about halfway through this year because they just haven't been putting out new content. Right. So other than like currently they're doing their winter event, I'll come in and do the winter event. But outside of the events, I think I played one competitive season. I've distanced myself from that because I just, I, I need some new stuff to it. To I still like it, but I need some new stuff to it to really make me want to spend that time. I kind of opened the, uh, our, the year, did late last year, early this year, once I got that new Xbox Series X, which is what uh, Zach got me for Christmas last year, which was very kind of him. Um, uh, doing the Gears, I finished Gears 4 and mm-hmm. played Gears 5 to kind of get caught up on that on that story. Um, yeah, the, as I recall, wasn't that the one where you started Gears 5? Because I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Which, yes, it was because I'm, I'm bad with numbers. And um, 
So a couple of games that kind of surprised me. I played a rhythm game called Arrow, which was kind of with a like EDM style electronica music. Uh, and that was sort of interesting as a, as a time killer. I got about halfway through it before I moved on. Uh, played a Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment investigation game. I remember that was actually quite a bit that. of fun. Pretty quick, but uh, but quite a bit of fun. I also really enjoyed Call of Cthulhu, which I played before the Sherlock Holmes game. Similar in terms of doing a lot of investigatory style work. But, you know, in the Cthulhu verse, it was different tone, obviously, right. than, than Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and then kind of since my birthday, since October... I've uh, been spending a lot more time with um, with some other games. So got Hades then. I put in a ton of time on Hades. Yeah. It's probably my favorite new game of the year that I new to me that I've been playing. I've uh, been playing a lot of Battlefield 2042. I've slowed up more now lately than I did the first month. But uh, in fact, I just played that a couple of days ago. Uh, as I noted, I just started Resident Evil Village, so I can't say a whole lot about that yet. Uh, I also did some of the multiplayer in Halo Infinite, which as usual, is pretty well polished. Like, Halo's multiplayer is good. It's not my favorite style, but I don't mind jumping in from time to time. So that's kind of where I've been at. So still sort of shooter heavy uh, this year, I would say, aside from Hades, which in terms of any game I've done, uh, due to the first half, I might still technically have more hours in Overwatch in 2021, but second half, it's Hades easily. Put in way more time in Hades than anything else because I can go in and you know spend thirty five minutes on Hades and I can do something else. Right, and it's easy to quit you know save and quit out of Hades. So, right, it's something where you can just walk away from so, as you get to the point where it's just like eh, I'm good. Yep. So, no, that's where we're standing at the games this year. Well, it's been a longer than normal episode, it so has. we could probably go ahead and end it. So I'll yes. say, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll be back in two weeks in the new year. And that's the episode where we would normally go ahead and give you some analytics at the start about how our uh, yeah. podcast has performed. You know, we, we're sharing. We like to share with our like I don't know how we look. I haven't really looked. So, so we'll, we'll find, find out. out. We'll find out. We'll find out together. We It'll will be an adventure as a family. So, until then, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye. See ya.